The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. All right, high five your neighbor. You can be seated. Can those of us on this side please come here? There's still empty seats here. Please come over to this side. Ushers, please always arrange this thing. And please, people, learn to listen to ushers. Let's occupy the seats here. It feels even a lot better when we're together. How has your week been? Has God been good to you? The Bible says His mercy is new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Has somebody been enjoying God's mercy and God's faithfulness? Are you sure? Praise the Lord. Um, one of the challenges we have with Christianity or anything that you do day after day, week after week, is that you can slip into a religious mode, a going through the motions mode. You are just, ah, the mercy of God is new. Hey, and you are not really engaging with your spirit. Or you are not doing it from a place of understanding. And I, I want to just remind you, don't ever bring yourself into that level. Don't, like I often say, don't allow these things to become something that is just written inside your Bible. Something that your pastor preaches to you. It's, it's sad for many Christians in many churches and many denominations. And listen, our own church is not excluded though. These things are personal things. That is how many people relate. It, it's just religion. There's no reality to it. And you, you need to learn how to make these things your everyday reality. So you are stuck in traffic and you can lift your hands and say, Father, thank you for your mercy. And I mean, there, there are times I'm stuck in traffic. I release angels consciously. Go and clear the traffic for me. Yeah, learn to do things like that. You've got to learn to live your Christianity. Can I hear a loud amen? Not something you just put on. A religious cloak you put on when you come to church on Sunday morning. The moment you leave church service, you take it off again. Till the midweek service you come to, then you put it on. And when you meet everyday challenges like traffic, paying the bills, um, fighting symptoms of sickness and disease, the things we say and do in church, you can't use it. You've not yet trained yourself to pray in tongues against sickness. The only time you pray in tongues is when we come to service and pastors say, let us pray in tongues. See, if you do it that way, it will become a religion to you. It won't be real to you. And you will miss out on the beauty of what God has given us. Hallelujah. I mean, this, this life is just wonderful. I was telling the other day of my daughter's birthday that it looked as if it wanted to rain. And I used what I, I mean, seeking for the kingdom of God. I stood on Matthew 6.33. God, I'm going to church. I'm putting your kingdom first. I'm going to pray for two services. And I believe you for favorable weather. And I exercised faith. I, said, I, I spoke to the clouds. Jesus said you should speak to the wind. Clouds clear up. I don't have the energy or the power to clear clouds now. But I know the God that can do it. And I have faith in him. And I believed him when he said, you speak to the mountain. And that's all I did. 
And I came for the prayer meeting, did the prayer meeting, the rain kept falling. But after a while, the clouds cleared, the sunshine came, we had a wonderful party. That, that is life, like God designed it for us. And when, when you bring Christianity to that place, now there will be days where you pray, the cloud may not clear. Let me just prepare your front. <laughs> there will be days where you speak in tongues that the sickness will not go. There will be days where you call for the money, the money will not come. There may be, particularly in the beginning days. But if you will continue, I thought you continue, Abby. Yes, uh-huh. I thought you continue. It will get to a point where it's as if every time you call, before you even call yourself, God has answered. Some of us are living in that realm now. If you will continue and don't make your Christian journey and the things you are being taught in church, ah, that's just for church. Hallelujah. If you are with me, shout a loud amen. Amen. So, we are teaching on faith this month. And we've, let me just quickly run through a few, a lot of things we said. And I remember the first um, service, as I started sharing along this line, I saw that many people just looked at what Pastor saying. So, God told me to backpedal and go line upon line a little slower. These are not new things to those of us that have been in church for a while. So, again, let's learn to leave them. So, I'm going to take us as far back as our communion service, which is the first Sunday of every month. We, we said God has no rivals. And we, we started the journey from there. Ephesians 1 lets us know he's seated in heavenly places far above. And the real truth or the fuller truth is that just like God has no rivals, you and I have no rivals. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says God has raised us up to sit with him, far above all principality and powers in Christ Jesus. And this is feeding into the things we said you need to start using your faith for. You have to start believing things like that. That I'm far above the devil. Somebody say, I'm far above the devil. In fact, let's use the way the Bible says, say Satan is under my feet. You use your faith for that. So when things start happening in your life that look like the work of the devil, you resist them by faith. Ah, pastor, I resisted it. The thing did not go. Resist it again. <laughs> Glory be to God. Ah, pastor, I've been resisting it for the last five years. It hasn't gone. Resist it for another five years. Or make up your mind. Eh, you think you can wait for me? I can wait another five years. That's where many people stop and do not continue. Talked about the power of continuing. So, God has no rivals. You have no rivals. Ecclesiastes 8.4. I shared this text with us a few Sundays ago. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And watch the no rival capacity of God. Who can say to him, what are you doing? Nobody can challenge God's authority. Nobody can tell God, what are you doing? Ah, God has said, through the blood of Jesus, all their sins are forgiven. I'm not holding their, um, this, their sin against them any longer. I've washed them as white as... Nobody can say, God, how ah, can you do that? Because he has no rivals. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? But like I said the other day, it's a king that text says... Not the king. If they said the king, then we can say maybe he's talking about God because there's only one the king. 
But there are several kings, starting with God, the king of kings, and all of us, his children. See, when they say God is the king of kings, who do you think the other kings they're talking about are? You and I. So that text also refers to you. Your word has power. Can I hear a loud amen? You see, this is what you should be using your faith to believe. That my word has power. That when I say it, particularly when you are saying what God says, or what you are saying is based on what God says, it's as powerful as God saying it. And nobody too can challenge what are you doing. If you call yourself world number one, whatever you want to call yourself, nobody can say, why are you calling yourself world number one, pastor? They can't challenge you. Because where the word of a king is, there's what? There's power. Your words carry power. You have no rivals. And that's where we now ask this question, what is stopping you from doing whatever you want to do? I want to build a house. What is stopping you? I want to buy a house. What is stopping you? I want to serve God with my life. What is stopping you or who is stopping you? And we went on to say that the real question is who are you allowing to stop you? Because no one can really stop you except you allow them. Glory, glory, glory be to God. And we took a lesson from Matthew 14. The disciples tried to cast out a devil. A father brought a son to them that had a devil. They tried and tried the devil. They couldn't cast out the devil. When Jesus came, Jesus rebuked all of them. He said, you are an um, unbelieving generation. He rebuked the father. He rebuked the son that was sick. He rebuked the disciples that could not. Everybody got rebuked that day. It wasn't an easy service. But I love the attitude the disciples had. They came and said, why could we not cast out the devil? And Jesus gave the bombshell answer of all bombshell answers. It's because of your unbelief. And this is what you need to learn. If you are going to live on this frequency of no rival, if you are going to live a life on this level of my words carry power and nobody can tell me what am I doing, if you are going to live on this life of unstoppable, you are going to have to live by faith. And that's what the Bible recommends. The just shall live by faith. Glory be to God. And what your faith is going to be doing for you, if you are going to live this life, is it will be removing mountains. Devils that don't want to move when you want them to move, and you are going to meet them. There will be devils coming against your family. There will be devils coming against you in your career, in your health. And you are going to have to clear them out of the way. Satan is not going to say, hey, Pastor T, you are now born again. I will not disturb you anymore. No. In fact, the reverse is the case. Now that you are born again, I'm going to be on your case. Before you get somebody else born again. So you've got to learn to be able to use your faith. Somebody say, my faith. Settle the fact that you have faith. You couldn't have been born again if you didn't have faith. Let me hear somebody shout again, I have faith. The Bible calls it in Mark 11, the God kind of faith. Back to that where the word of a king is. Like God is a king, you're a king. Your faith is like God's faith. He gave it to you when you got born again. And what you need to learn to do is to use that faith. In fact, that's what Jesus told them. If you read Mark 11, we've taught on that several years. I'm not going in that text this year. 
He said, use faith like God uses faith. Have the faith of God. One day, disciples were trying to sail across a lake. A storm rose and they were afraid. After Jesus calmed the storm, looked at them and told them, where is your faith? Big lesson there. When financial challenges come, when storms arise in your marriage, in your job, in your career, you are supposed to bring out faith, not be saying, ah, master, master, carries down, not that we perish. First of all, that is a lie. By now, you should have known that he cares. Don't let any trouble arise and make you feel as if God doesn't care for me. Ah, I lost my job. God doesn't care for me. Hey, loved one died. God, ah, where was God? Why did God allow this to happen? Mm-mm. That's not the way to live. Use your faith. Glory be to God. Somebody say, I use my faith. I live by faith. The God kind of faith. And this is where we are focusing on. Overcoming challenges and obstacles. Mountains. That you're unstoppable doesn't mean we are not going to try you. In fact, we are going to try you. First of all, to check whether you yourself even know that you're unstoppable. And God help you if you're like the seven sons of Siva in the book of Acts. Those demons told them. They came and said, we adjure you in the name of the Jesus that Pastor T preaches. Let me put my name, you know what I'm saying. I'm the one with the microphone now. You shouldn't do that. Now, there are scriptures you read where Elisha said, let the God of Elijah answer. But if you are saying it, make sure your faith is also in that God. Not just Elisha's faith. I mean, Elijah's faith. Amen. I join you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. The demon said, we know Paul. We know Jesus. We have never had your tongues in the realm of the spirit. Who are you? (laughs) who are you so you need to know who you are that's where we left off last last week you need to know who you are so we said the challenges you will face in life are broadly in three categories there are some challenges that come because of the way God created you because of the way God created this world as it were they come from God most people don't know that. This is where we got to that. I saw that many people were looking at it. I was speaking Greek. This is about three weeks ago. Most people automatically think, once I have a financial problem, once I have a health problem, once I have a family problem, once I have a ministry problem, it's, number one, the devil, and sometimes people. But no. Problems come to us, really, through four channels. Number one is God. They are God problems. And like I said last week, because they are God, they are God's size, because God is big. Number two, problems come, of course, because of the devil. Number three, problems come because of other people. Number four, problems come because of you. Trivia. Let me ask this question at this point, because we've done this teaching now. The question we said is, who are you allowing to stop you? So I want to ask you this question. Is it God that is stopping you or that is giving you? I'm giving you four options. And I'm going to ask everybody to shout the one that you think the right answer is. And please, I want you to participate. 
So in case your voice is the one going off, we will know where we, our problem is. And if it's majority that is going off, we will know. Is it God that is really behind your problems or your issues or your challenges? Number two, is it the devil? So you're going to say either God, devil. Three, people. The third option, ah, is my boss at work. Is my husband, though. Is the witch in my village? People, all those other people. <laughs> or number four, is it you? So, um, I want, and I want everybody to participate. Just shout. So, you are going to shout out that God. You, you only have one try. Trivia. God, devil, people, you, me. One, two, go. <laughs> I will try again. Some people didn't answer. <laughs> one, two, go. Okay. At least, thank God, my labor has not been in vain. You need to come to this place, the people that shouted, where... When troubles come, particularly things that are trying to stop you in life, you should know that you are the problem. Put up my, I, I woke up this morning, all these people that are stealing my messages. This time it was Reverend Jumaki Adeyemi, she has been listening to this live stream. Look at what she put up on social media this morning. I love it. Please put up that post I put up. I said I will, I, I will share it in church. So every time I hear people Preaching. There's another thing I shared. Check your chat groups when you get home. Something that TDJ said that I think will bless us a lot. Quickly, put it up. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah, help me put it up. People think the devil is their problem. Said, you know that scripture that says no weapon formed against you shall prosper? That's where this is coming from. Just be sure, as you are quoting no weapon formed against you shall prosper, that you are not the weapon formed against yourself. <laughs> Causing you not to prosper. Just be sure. And the simple truth is, you are your biggest enemy. I learned that several years ago from TDJ. He said, your biggest enemy is in me. In you. Learn to stop blaming the devil for your issues. That's what Eve did. Learn to stop blaming people for your issues. That's what Adam did, the woman you gave me. There's some people that are as bold as Adam. God, you are the problem. You are the one that gave me this woman. If you had not given me this woman, I wouldn't have this problem. So learn to look inward. Where am I missing it? What do I need to correct? We are not saying there's no devil. And the devil will not try you. Of course, the devil tempted Eve to eat the fruit. We are not saying people cannot tempt you or inspire you in the wrong direction. Of course, Eve gave Adam the fruit. But we are saying the ultimate responsibility for your life rests on you. You can't blame your husband. You can't blame your wife. You can't blame your boss at work. You can't blame your pastor in church. You can't blame your unit head. You can't blame your children. If anybody or anything is stopping you, it's because you allowed it. And I just tell them it's because of your own belief. Even though the issue was a demon that had to be cast out. Why could you not cast my eyes? You didn't say that devil is stronger. Because of your own belief. They went on to say, this kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting. You didn't pray as you ought to pray. And you didn't fast as you ought to fast. Like we are fasting next week. And I'm giving somebody an invitation to pray and fast with us. See, once you come to that place in life, man, you are ready for victory. Because the next question she will now be asking is, what are the changes I need to make about my life? Rather than focusing on the witch in your village. Glory be to God. So, understand that 
three board categories. And you are the one, you are the fourth person. We are just saying you are not, you know how to address this. You have to address challenges from, that come from God, challenges that come from the devil and from people. Now, we said focus on the God challenges. I gave you what I call inverted Pareto principle. Um, 80% of your time and your faith. Start developing faith to overcome the challenges that come to us from God. It, see it as mock exam. How many of you remember mock exam you do before the main exam? And you know the intention is that if you pass this mock exam, particularly if you're in a very good school, there is no way you will fail jam because what we are giving you is more serious than jam. We have gone to get all the past questions that jam can have. We have there's no angle jam can come from. If you study well and pass this internal exam that seemingly has no consequences and you use it to train yourself, when you go for the external exam that matters, you will pass in flying colors because there's no angle that can come from that we have not yet taught you. My father used to tell me, those days when I was writing professional exams, said I don't understand how people fail exams. I didn't like that statement at all. <laughs> but as I grew older, I saw the sense in what he was saying. He said, how can someone come and meet you at the beginning of the year? Read this. This is the syllabus. This is what I'm going to test you on. Then they've been doing the exam since 19 Boboro. We are going back to Genesis, so beginning of life. People have been writing this exam. Some have been failing. Some have been passing. His own theory that there's, they don't have any exact new questions anymore. And it's true, when I started practicing, I hardly entered an exam. Particularly when I knew about supernatural advantage. My, my professional exams days, there was no exam I wrote that I had not seen two, three, or four answer questions before. None. I never failed any of them. Okay, there were a couple I had references. But in ICANN, the references, okay, you almost passed, try again. No. There was hardly any exam. Because I now found out that the Holy Ghost can show you things to come. Eh, is that part? And the Holy Ghost always showed me questions. I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes word for word. I've shared so many testimonies along that line. So, see God's tests. Or these five, I'm going to show you five of them. That God gives us as mock. Focus your energy. Use your faith. Develop a life of faith to know how to deal with, address, and overcome these problems. And once you have mastered them, I guarantee you, child of God, there's nothing people can do or not do for you, people problems, or there's nothing the devil can do, devil problems that you will not be able to deal with. But this is the problem with many people. They will not spend faith and time doing the mock that God gives us. Then the first time they are faced with that question is when the devil slaps them with it. And they now start looking confused. Ah, where was God? Why did God allow it to happen? Hey, where was not God? Are you still with me? Or are you getting angry? Hallelujah. So again, Galatians 1 tells us that God puts us under schoolmasters. Galatians 4, verses 1 to 7. God problems. So, we talked about the fact that this is the first problem you have. We, we are learning from Adam, Genesis 2 and 3. The first problem Adam had was the way God made him, spirit, soul, and body. 
putting a spirit inside a body creates challenges. Because Romans say tells us, the spirit and the flesh, they are, they are not together. Particularly now that we are living in a fallen world. But even before the world fell, the challenge was there. The spirit came from the nostrils of God. The flesh came from the earth. The spirit is celestial, heavenly. The, the flesh is terrestrial, earthly. The spirit is supernatural, beyond the natural. The flesh is natural, sand. You now want them to live together. There will be challenges. And God's plan was for you to use that challenge to train your spirit. That is a test and an exam you should be writing every day of your life. But most people don't want to live spirit. Some people don't know. Some people that know are not interested. Pray in tongues, they don't want to pray in tongues. Study the Bible, it's too boring. Or whatever reason people are giving. So, their spirit, and that, that was Adam's problem. Adam wasn't living spiritually. How do I know? People that live spiritually like Jesus, when Satan came to tempt them, eat what you're not supposed to eat. Like he tempted Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness. What did Jesus say? Spiritual answer. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. I won't eat. I won't turn the stone to bread. Before Adam knew anything, he had craved giving to his flesh. Eating what he shouldn't have eaten. He had not trained the spirit to dominate his body. That wasn't a challenge from Satan. That was a challenge from God. Satan exploited the fact that Adam and Eve did not write their mock exam. And that's all the devil does. Hallelujah. Let me move on. I want to cover two more problems God gives us today. Are we up to speed, everybody? Look at the second challenge Adam had and we have. That came from God. That we have to be using our faith and focusing our faith on to overcome. And if we can learn to do that, when people challenges come to us or devil challenges come to us, we will pass them in flying colors. But if we don't, God forbid we will fail. Nobody here will fail and fall in Jesus' name. Problem two. Again, from God. God made him with weaknesses. Again, if I was God, I would advise him, don't give us weaknesses, make us perfect. But who am I? Oh, the depths of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. His thoughts are past finding out. <laughs> God, made, God made every human being with weaknesses. How do we know? We see it there in Genesis chapter 2. First of all, the fact that he was made from flesh tells us there's a problem. Genesis 2, 7, God, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. We read that last week. Genesis 2, 18, are you here tonight? And the Lord God said, it is not good. This is, you're talking about Adam. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So, what do we mean? When you need help. And Adam needed help. That was what Eve was supposed to do. It's a sign that you are weak in a particular area. Now, this is very interesting. Because in Genesis 1, God said everything he made concerning Adam and Eve was very good. Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man. And I want you to compare what happened in Genesis 1 
to what happened in Genesis 2. I've been telling you this on Sunday. Genesis 1, nothing happened in the physical. God was just speaking and creating internal picture. Yes, his words were creating things, but nothing physical yet. Watch this. You see that there's a big difference between what happened in Genesis 1 and what we read in Genesis 2. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them. Somebody say them. In Genesis 2, the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the ground. He didn't make them in Genesis 2. He made Adam in Genesis 2. And it was later when he now said it's not good that this man is weak. He's not perfect by himself. He now made him to sleep. And it from his rib, you understand that story in Genesis chapter 2? Formed Eve. So that's the difference. All he did in Genesis 1 was to speak. But what he spoke did not materialize immediately. That is a big lesson on itself, a big lesson on faith. Even God. It's not every time God speaks that things happen instantly. I will talk more about that on Sunday. Let me quickly move because of time here. Glory be to God. Verse 27 of Genesis 1. Watch this. See the difference between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Then God created. You see, Genesis 2, the word they used was that he formed from the ground. So he used these words to create in Genesis 1. Nothing happened physically, but he formed physical in Genesis 2. In Genesis 1, he created man in his own image. Watch this very carefully. In his image, he created him. And that refers to Adam. Even in the spirit, God made Adam first. But he now went on. Male and female. He created them. Can you see that in Genesis 1, 27? 28. Then God blessed them. And God said to them. Again, nothing physical happening. God was just using his words, speaking his words, forming image, creating with vision, but nothing physical yet. Verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made. Again, not physical. All this is spiritual creation. Everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. But nothing physical had happened. Glory be to God. So what transpired between very good in chapter 1 verse 31 and not good in chapter 2 verse 18? This is the main difference. Together, we are very good individually, you are not good. Adam alone, not good. Adam and his helper, very good. And that creates challenges. Because what that means is that you need people in your life. Adam needed Eve. Eve needed Adam. Nobody can survive on its own. You can't get born on your own. Your mother must give birth to you. And God help you if your mother gives birth to you and abandon you. We call them orphans. And we know how many of them really survive. Somebody has to nurture you. Somebody has to teach you how to talk, how to walk, how to eat. You will always need people. God designed it that way. On your own, you are weak. God created us with weaknesses. Why, why, God, why will you do that? God made us with weaknesses individually to humble us. We will always need other people 
And most importantly, we will always need God. Isn't it interesting that the word used to describe Eve in Genesis is the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit, our helper. Glory be to God. Look at this text. We quote it a lot in church. Let it find meaning in what we are teaching tonight. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. See, we are earthen vessels. What does that mean? Weak vessels. And it's referring to our body. Not just our body, our makeup. We were talking about temperaments the other day in our married couples meeting. And every temperament has its strengths. And at the same time, they have their what? Weaknesses. In fact, the weaknesses feed off the strength. Ah, I want to be a billionaire. Beautiful. Do you know that comes with problems and weaknesses? The moment you want to be a rich guy, who is everybody around you, if you are not born again and sanctified, they want to start stealing your money. You now have to start protecting your money. Ah, I don't want money because of that. I want to be poor. Do you know that one has problems? <laughs> you want to be poor. When it's time to pay your rent, you will know that poverty is not good. There's nothing that doesn't come with weaknesses. And God designed life that way so that we will depend on him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Hallelujah. So that's a challenge that I need people. Now, it gets a bit more interesting. You have to know where to draw the line with people. God wants you to depend on people, but God doesn't want you to trust in people. So you know you've read scriptures like, woe to him that depends on the arm of flesh. Do you understand that? But don't say because, ah, I'm not going to depend on my flesh. You don't have any, you don't have people in your life that you can depend on. And it's also interesting that it's the Eve that brought the fruit. So I wrote here, nowhere to draw the line on, on help from people. You have to use discernment. Watch the mistake Adam made and watch how God, Jesus overcame that similar challenge. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus came and asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Can you imagine? Even God in the flesh needed affirmation of men. And all of us do need that. Who do people say I am? I don't care who you are, whether your name is Jesus or Pastor T. What people say about you will affect you. If they say good things about you, your head will swell. If they say bad things about you, right or wrong, you won't like it. You will feel bad. Why? It's a weakness of the flesh. Ah, they said you are this. They said you are that. Jesus now looked at them. Who do you say I am? Those of you that are my closest friends. You know, you may even be able to put aside what somebody on the internet says about you. It will pain you small. Am I right or am I right? But you can leave that. But what your wife says about you or your children say about you or the people closest in your life. We all need affirmation. Jesus needed affirmation. You people, who do you say I am? You that are traveling with me and doing ministry with me. All of them were looking. They didn't want to give him the wrong answer. But Peter spoke by the Spirit. You know the story. Verse 17. I mean, verse 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When he said that, Jesus was happy. Blessed are you, Simon Bajona. It encouraged him. Thank God, though. At least somebody knows I'm not a false prophet. <laughs> 
Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to my father in heaven. You read the story further down. The Bible now said, Jesus now started telling them, perhaps because Peter knew who he was. <clears throat> of course, Jesus knew who he was, but he wanted to know whether the people around him knew who he was. He now said, I'm, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die and all that. Peter now started speaking, but this time, not by God. Verse 17, he spoke by the Spirit of God. Verse 23, he spoke by the Spirit of the devil. Ah, over my dead body, you will not die. I will not allow them to kill you. Jesus, the Bible said, Jesus me and said, get thee behind me, Satan. This is what I mean by you need to know where to draw the line. There was nothing wrong with Adam receiving counsel or words or even food from Eve. I'm sure she had cooked for him before. But you need discernment. Where the food will wreck your destiny, you need to say no. And if you have to say, Satan, get out of here, you need to know. That's the mistake Adam made. Did somebody get that? I think that's a very vital lesson. Because you can't go to the extreme that, hey, I don't want any woman to give me apple to eat. Or fruit. You didn't say apple. Uh, so you will not, you, uh, no women in my life. You, you will be weak. You will be incomplete. Ah, I can't work with people. Me, I can do it all by myself. No. You are weak alone. It's a challenge. Because whether we like it or not, number one, we've got to learn to work with people. Hello? Number two, we've got to learn to work with the Holy Spirit. So how, how do we respond in faith to this kind of challenge? The key is humility. Humility. You've got to accept and humble yourself that you have weaknesses. Like the Americans will say, you are not all that plus a bag of chips. In other words, you have certain flaws. And I'm telling you, it's not the devil. Oh. God designed you that way. Your temperament has flaws. Your flesh has flaws. You need people. It starts with humility. That's how Jesus overcame the problem. Philippians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. oh, you don't like this one too. You don't like the fact that you have weaknesses. See, that's where pride steps in. And the Bible says God, not the devil, resists the proud. But what does God do? He gives more grace to the humble. You have weaknesses. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Look at how Jesus overcame his weaknesses. Do you know Jesus had weaknesses? Hmm? Ah, most of you didn't know that. See, that's why, why I believe God is teaching Jesus to teach these things. People don't know these things, though. And people don't address them. And they don't address them by faith. Because you need to overcome this thing by faith. Let this mentality be in you. Which mentality? That was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation, taking up the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men. That was when Jesus started becoming weak. He took off his glory. The Bible said he was the son in heaven, equality with God. He was one with God. But he stripped himself of his heavenly glory and came in the form of sinful men. And then all the power he had, he didn't have it anymore. All the glory he had in heaven, he didn't have it anymore. The word that created the universe, he could not create anything. He was like an ordinary man. 
became weak because he had taken up human form. God made men with weaknesses. They have become amplified since the fall of Adam. But even before the fall, God had already said it is not good. He needs a helper. But how do you overcome it? Verse 8. Being found in the appearance as a man, meaning he had weaknesses, he humbled himself. That's it. And became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, because he humbled himself, acknowledging that he had weaknesses, he came to the baptism of John, and he humbled himself under a man he created to anoint him. God being anointed by a man. If he didn't do that humility test, John said, ah, I'm not worried to even tie the sandal strap on your shoe. John said, no. Let's fulfill all righteousness. Because the anointing will not come. God will always resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. If Jesus did not humble himself under the ministry and the anointing of John the Baptist, that spirit that came upon him in Luke chapter 3 will never have come. And he will have remained a carpenter for the rest of his life. You want to overcome your weaknesses? Learn humility. Can I hear a loud Amen. James 4, 6, God will always resist the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. Look how this thing works. Apostle Paul had weaknesses in his ministry. How do we know? He told us the story in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12. And in chapter 12, he said, I went to pray to God to take away this stone in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. I'm going to talk about that later on as we go. I've already mentioned it, but let, let's just stay with what he said there. Look at what God told him in verse 9. Again, many of us are familiar with it. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My strength is made perfect in weaknesses. In other words, God allowed the weaknesses to stay. I know there's a weakness in your ministry. What was his weakness? If you read chapter 11, you see all of them. Anytime he goes to a city to preach, they will stone him. They will imprison him. They will beat him up. That's what he meant by the thorn in his flesh. It was a weakness. And he prayed and said, God, can't I just go like Pastor T in Lagos? Where no matter what he says, nobody stones him. You know nobody stones me in this place. I know Dikinadega and Pastor Joshua will defend me. But that wasn't, I didn't have that weakness. Paul had that weakness. And God told him, no. I won't take away the weaknesses. Do you know God could have stopped them from stoning Saul? Hello? How many know that God is that powerful? Do you know God could have stopped them from imprisoning him? But God said no. Rather than Stopping them from imprisoning you. Listen, let me tell you something. You know, there are some weaknesses. You see, there are some weaknesses you can overcome with prayer. Ah, uh, I don't know how to wake up early in the morning. You can help that one. We can help you to overcome that. But you will never overcome them. Temperamental weaknesses, even if the Holy Ghost will help you, you can never completely overcome them. You will even need the help of the Holy Ghost to overcome them. Hello, somebody. And that's what Paul had to do here. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. He now said, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. The word boast there means I will give God praise, even though I have this infirmity. I will take my attention off my weaknesses. I will focus on God and praise God. I will boast. Look at how to overcome infirmities. Weaknesses. Weaknesses that God will not take away. Hallelujah. Weaknesses that God will allow to be in your life. 
you will have to be humble. You will have to accept that that is part of the package. Not all, oh, but some. Because God wants you to humble yourself. Paul said earlier in this chapter, lest I be exalted above measure due to the excesses of the revelation, God allowed this turn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan. We're going to study that a bit as we go on. I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hello? Therefore, verse 10, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs. You will, look, in life, Father, that sometimes you don't have all the money. God is using it to humble you to believe God for the resources. Sometimes people will make fun of you. Ah, you people that pray in tongues, they will laugh at you. You know what some people do? They don't want them, they don't want people to laugh at them, so they won't pray in tongues. Error! Error! Particularly if you are a Pentecostal. If you're a Catholic, maybe you can get by. Hello? Trust God. Embrace. What Paul was saying here is this. Rather than complaining and griping that they have thrown me in prison, when they throw me in prison, I will praise God. In fact, I'm going to make that my name. So you've seen his epistle, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, a prisoner of Jesus. He, he wore prisoner as a badge. It was a thing of shame. People left his church when they locked him up. What kind of man of God is this? You can't even pray yourself. After you told us that Christ has come to set the captives free, you, physician, he yourself, you can't set yourself free. They left his church. <laughs> but Paul wore it as a badge. And rather than hide in shame because of the weakness, when he had come to realize that is God allowing this thing, he said, praising God. Ignore the devil. And ended up writing the Bible. I wonder those people that left Paul's church when they go to heaven, I wonder, ah, what a mistake we made. Don't think everybody going through a challenge. Don't laugh at Paul in prison. Don't laugh at Joseph in prison. He may be your next prime minister. Don't think anybody that has challenges, everybody is yours. It's not devil. Some things God allows to humble the people so that they can trust in God. That's why he said there, I take pleasure, these imprisonments, these reproaches, these needs, these persecutions, these distresses, for Christ's sake, for, for the sake of the anointing. For when I am weak, when they beat me, that's when the next revelation, every step I'm getting is another dangerous revelation. When they imprison me, that's another letter to the Colossians coming out. If you will humble yourself, that's why God, and that is a challenge. Now, how many people understand that that takes faith? That's what you should be using your faith for, not the witch in your village. How can I embrace the reproaches that come with my package? They've been laughing at King's word forever. And let me tell you, they will continue laughing at us because of the things we do. Let them laugh. Oh. See, it's the apostolic place that God gave us last time. Watch the next thing God will give us as we embrace our reproaches. There are many people that don't do the things we do because of reproach. They don't understand this mystery. But thank God God has helped us. 
Humble yourself. And you will need faith. Habakkuk 2 talks about that. He said, write the vision, make it plain. Me wrong with it. He said, um, the, 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 verse 4, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but he just shall live by faith. To be able to overcome weaknesses. Because God will not take away some of them. Hallelujah. Number two, faith solution. Learn to do life with other people. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4.9. You can't do life alone. If Adam had done life better with Eve, perhaps if he had taught her better and realized that his destiny is connected to her, maybe she wouldn't have been deceived by the devil. Learn to do life with people. Proverbs 27.17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You can never make it alone. You will need people. And third thing here, develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Your ultimate helper. John 14 verse 16. I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper. That's what God said. This man is not good. He needs a compatible helper. It's on two levels. Human beings that God will bring into your life, realize they are not perfect. Some of them will tempt you to eat fruit you should not eat. So learn the discernment Jesus had. When they are speaking right, you are the son of God. God bless you for your life. When they are speaking against your destiny, don't go to the cross and die. Rebuke the devil. But to say you won't have a pita in your camp, Jesus, you will never do this ministry. You need the 12. We're going to get into that next. You will need people. Even if your name is Jesus. You can't do this earthly ministry alone. You need people. You need the 12. You need the 70. You need the 120 in the upper room after you have left. So know how to draw the line with people because you will always need them. Then most importantly, know the Holy Ghost. I will pray the Father, John 14, 16 to 18. He will give you another helper. Somebody that will take my place. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. You need to develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You are weak on your own. Look at what he said in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. Christians that don't know the Holy Ghost and don't develop their work with the Holy Ghost live like orphans. They are weak. And God made it that way. God made it so that you, as a new creation, you need the Holy Ghost. As a new creation, you do what? To bear the fruit of the Spirit, you will need the Holy Ghost. So we use our faith for the Holy Ghost. Teach me love. Teach me joy. Teach me patience. Teach me gentleness. You lean on him. That's what you should be using your faith for. Not what? Are you guys not following me? Not what? A witch in your village. How many times have I said before you get it? <laughs> your, your, your faith, you should be exercising faith. Your time of prayer, your time of meditation in the word. Wow, I have the Holy Ghost. He's my helper. He's my counselor. He's my advocate. He's my... And you develop faith for all these things. Because on your own, you are what? God, it's not Satan that made you weak. God designed you to be weak on your own. To teach us humility. 
to teach us to do life with other people and to teach us to do life with the Holy Ghost. Third one, and I want to close with this one. Look at the third challenge God gave Adam. And by extension, all of us, God gave him an assignment. God gave him a task. Not KPMG, God gave him an assignment. God gave him a task. God gave him a ministry. Breaking news, so everybody look at me. Like Adam, God has given you a what? An assignment. God has given you a what? A task. God has given you a what? It is not only Pastor T and Dr. K that have ministry. <laughs> the day you figure that out, your life goes to another level. What the Bible teaches is that the fivefold ministry gifts should teach the members of the church to do the work of the ministry that God called them. You know why Adam fell? He didn't do his job well. The task was very simple. Take care of the garden. Your own task is very simple. Preach the ministry of reconciliation. Then we can now break it down into several different dimensions. Genesis 2.15. This is the third challenge we have. And every task comes with challenges. Try keeping a garden in your backyard. You will see the challenge there. Talk less of the garden of the world that God gave Adam here. Then the Lord took the man he had formed, Genesis 2.15, put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. You need to find out your God-given purpose in life. That in itself is a challenge. Because the only person that can really reveal it to you is who? God. Oh, we can tell you the general one. Minister of Reconciliation. That's why we're in church. We try to get everybody involved in soul winning. We can tell you general things, serve God. That's why we tell everybody in church, try and join a service group and start serving. But your ultimate goal is to discover your God-given purpose. Discovering it itself is a challenge. Then doing it. See, this is what we should be using faith for. God, reveal my purpose to me. This is what we should be busy using faith for. God, now that I have an idea of what my post is, how can I do it better? How can I keep improving? That's what we should be using faith for. God tests. Hello? God challenges. Look, when you use your faith to discover purpose and to fulfill purpose, there are so many challenges from the devil that will never come near you because you're already living on a high plane. Oh, Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I'm beginning to close. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God has a purpose for my life. Listen to these parables from Solomon and see whether you can catch a lesson. What profit from verse 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 3? What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? Verse 10. I have seen the God-given task. That, that's the title in my Bible here. The God-given task. Somebody say that, the God-given task. With which the sons of men have been occupied. We have God-given tasks. Most people are not aware of it. Most people don't use their faith for it. But bless God, I'm telling you now, you have God-given tasks. He has made everything beautiful in his time. And I will add, as you fulfill your God-given task. 
You see, God told him to tend and to keep that garden. Your food is coming from this garden. If you don't tend this garden, Adam, you will starve. Hallelujah. Just like the Bible says, he that does not walk, let him not what? That revelation is on two levels. Number one, there is the day-to-day walk, nine to five. Can I tell you something interesting, people? If you don't walk, you'll be broke. In case someone has not yet figured that one out. But it's deeper. Can I take you deeper? Do you know what that means? If you don't fulfill your God-given purpose, you'll never be fulfilled in life. There will always be a void. You can be making all the money in the world, though, but you'll be like that rich young ruler. What must I do to have eternal life? Oh, I have my nine to five. And they pay me two million naira a month. But I'm still empty. Because God designed in such a way that your fulfillment, your provision, comes from your work. That's what Solomon is talking about there. God has occupied us with a God-given task. There is a hole in every man's heart that God put there. It is God's purpose for your life. Your faith is supposed to be used, busy on discovering what that is and then doing it after you find it out. Hallelujah. Let's read on. He makes all things beautiful in his time, verse 11. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Keep in mind, he's talking about us fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. So everybody has to keep searching by faith. God, what's your plan for my life? What's your purpose for my life? Give me the grace to do it. Give me the strength to do it. When discouragement comes, help me to get back on my feet again. Why? God has put eternity in our hearts. Nobody can find out the work of God. Only God can reveal it to us. Verse 12. I know that nothing is better than for a man to rejoice, beautiful, and to do good in their lives, also beautiful, but what the third piece, and that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. Life is incomplete. On a mundane scale, if you are not working and adding value to human beings that they are reciprocating by giving you money for, you will never be happy. If your plan in life is, I just want to wake up and sleep, watch DSTV, watch Big Brother, I can guarantee you after two weeks, two months, you will, be, you will, you will hate your life. And that's not a devil, though. It's just because of the way God wired you. God wired you to work. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Which God ordained before that we should do what? Walk in them. That's how God created us, to walk. You don't walk frustration. Not devil, oh. It's a God problem. And the deep truth is, it's not your nine to five that is God's purpose for your life. Have you seen all these rich people that commit suicide at the top of their careers? This is their problem. Satan now exploits it. This is their problem. The root is from God. Nobody will be fulfilled in life unless they find out what God created them for and they are doing it. Don't waste your time. Please take this simple thing I'm teaching you from the Bible. Don't wait till you are 60, 70, 80, and 90 and you start regretting. Find God's purpose for your life. How? By faith. I will give you some keys at the end of this point. Start fulfilling it. You will be happy. You may not have all the money you need. You don't need money for everything. You have God. Can I hear a loud amen? Yeah. 
You may not be the most popular on Instagram. It's irrelevant. There was no Instagram 50 years ago. It's possible there will be no Instagram 50 years from now. So don't let Instagram control your life. Let purpose drive your life. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God created me for a purpose. Hallelujah. Now, check where we are to- what we are talking about here. Luke chapter 1 told us two powerful people's stories. When, when we talk about God making you for a purpose, and that with purpose, with God's plan, comes challenges. Please study Luke chapter 1 very well. You read about Elizabeth and Zechariah. You read about Mary. Two people that God turned their lives upside down because of his plan. Elizabeth and Zechariah, from their youth, serving God, they've done choir, they've done ushering. At the point where the angel now came, they were the senior pastors, but they were barren. And somebody may be looking at them in that church. Which kind of pastor is he? I won't come to this man's church. Oh. He can't even pray for himself to have children. And me, I'm looking for children. So they are running to another pastor. But what you didn't know is that it was God that gave them that problem. Because of his purpose for their life. I have chosen you. You are the parents through whom the forerunner of the Christ will come. So you are not going to have children. He didn't tell them all this. So they have to, you, you get these kind of things by faith. He didn't tell them. You will not have this child until six months before Jesus is coming. When will Jesus come? Sir? I don't know. <laughs> he has put eternity in our hearts. Eternity means timelessness. It may take one year. It may take ten years. It may take hundred years. It may take ten generations. Eternity in our hearts. But while you are waiting, <laughs> keep living in faith and doing God. Even if the challenge attached to it is no children. It's not that you are a sinner. It's just that God's purpose for your life demands it. Mary, teenage girl, betrothed to a young man. We are going to do wedding next six months. God now interrupts her life. Blessed are thou, favored among women. You will give back to the Christ. I will impregnate you. Yahweh. How did you get pregnant? God. Ah, God, who is the boyfriend? Engagement scattered. God's purpose creates problems. Ask Apostle Paul. How do you overcome them? By faith. Zechariah didn't have the faith. When the angel told him God's plan, he said, Now, he was very diplomatic and spiritual about it. How can this be? But the angel saw the attitude, your mouth. God chose you for this high calling, and you're having a stinking attitude, no more talking. He got the message there. But I love how he repented. He continued serving. Some people have left church. Which kind of God is this one now? Eh? I came to church. Instead of living with healing, I left with dumbness. May God help us to read our Bible. And may God help the Holy Ghost to help us to see good things in the Bible. You are ushering. And for one reason or the other, you have been praying for husband for 10 years. Just don't let it bother you. Don't let any devil enter your head. Ah, what are they preaching in that church? I don't know. 
All I know is that we should believe God for husband and wife. And in his time, that's what someone said, he makes all things beautiful. But he has set eternity in our hearts. Whether you are going to have to wait for seven years, like Pastor Tiano Inda, or eight years, like Pastor Kingsley and his wife, we don't know. Or you got married in December, your child came in September. Or you had done what you shouldn't have done. You got married in December, the child, the child came in June. We don't. <laughs> Let me just leave that one there and move on to... <laughs> but look at Mary's response. Rise on your feet as we close tonight. When you align yourself with purpose, Mary said, Behold, thy maid servant. This was Zachariah could not say. It takes faith. Behold, the maid servant. Luke 138. Let it be to me according to what? Can somebody make that statement in faith? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you created me for a purpose. You have an assignment for my life. You have a task for me. You have a ministry for me. I respond in faith like Mary. Let it be unto me according to your word. That's, that, that's the response of faith. When you get home, read 2 Corinthians. I was going to do that, but borrow me two minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second, Paul was describing his ministry. Ministry, oh... Not arm robbery, not drug dealership, not rapist lifestyle, not night clubbing lifestyle. Somebody say ministry. Who gave Paul ministry? Watch his life. Verse 1. We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. His ministry was to preach grace to the Gentiles. For he says in an acceptable time I have had you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is ministry. But watch the challenges that came. Because he was doing ministry. Look at what happened to Mary. Because God wants to give back to Jesus. That's why my engagement must scatter. That's why everybody must now call me a whore in the village. That's why forever some human beings will never believe that I kept my virginity. Because of God. Because God, Christ must come. That's why for decades we must not have children. Zachariah and Elizabeth. Because grace must be preached. Look at Paul's life. There's the one he said in chapter 11. Look at the one in chapter 6. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. In much patience. To do God's will you will need patience. I'm talking to you about kings for 30 years. There are some things we can do now we couldn't do 30 years ago. 30 years after, there are some things we still can't do. That God has planned for us, but we have to be patient. In all things, much patience in tribulations. Ah, for doing ministry, I thought tribulation was for drug dealers. No. In needs. Needs. We can't pay rent. We can't pay school fees. Jesus was in it, in distress, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness. Ah, to serve God, to do ministry by suffering, by kindness. There are some good things there. It's a mixed bag. 
By the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. By the word of truth, by the power of God. By the armor of righteousness on the right and on the left. By honor and dishonor. By evil reports, they will abuse us on Facebook and Instagram. They will say we want to collect people's money. That we are deceiving them because we are teaching them to tithe. As deceivers, they will label us deceivers. We are not raping their daughters. So we are only preaching good news to them, but they will label us as deceivers. Like they labeled Mary. She must have a boyfriend. Who has ever heard that God impregnated a virgin? Even though it was in their Bible. These are are only God challenges. There's no devil here. Where devil comes in is when people don't use their faith. You see, you know why people like Paul overcame? They embrace people like Mary. You know why they overcame? And eventually, Elizabeth and John, they embrace the challenge by faith. Be it unto me according to your word. Elizabeth, I mean, Zechariah needed a little discipline. (laughs) But if you read the story, he, he changed his mind after God rebuked him. Hallelujah. How did Jesus overcome this? Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus had found his purpose. I'm to die for them. He told, there's something he told them. Pray that you will not enter into temptation. Let me give you the text. Luke 22, 40 to 45. If you can read it at home. Pray. What's the temptation? Temptation not to do God's will. Father, verse 42. For it, if it's your will, take away this cup, but nevertheless, not my will be done. So, by faith, discover your God given purpose. That's what you should be praying for. If you are here, hearing me, how many of you are hearing me? You don't know your God given purpose for living. And you can't pose, or you can pose before me, but you can't pose for God. This is what your faith should be busy doing. Why am I here? I still don't know. Start by doing evangelism. We are teaching you. We are going to be teaching many things in church. Start by serving in church. On your way to discovering your purpose. The Bible says that God created us. All things were made. Revelations chapter 4 verse 11. For his glory. Including you and I. So learn to discover your God-given purpose. Live for it. In the case of Jesus, die for it. You and I don't have to die physically for it, but let me tell you what we're going to do. Sacrificially live for it. It's equal to death. Present your body a living sacrifice, Romans 12 says. And you can only do that by faith. You can only do this thing by faith. And that's what our faith should be busy on. See, when we know how to use faith to live for purpose, there's no challenge Satan can bring after that we'll not be able to pass. Hello? But most people don't do this challenge. Then Satan comes with a rent bill. And they are now running their task after. But if you had done this mock test for the last six years of your life, you've been praying, seeking God's favor. Your, your faith will have grown to such a place you will never even have those kind of financial challenges in the first place. Can I hear a loud amen? Number two thing here, learn to work with other people. To do that ministry that God gave Jesus, you had to work with the 12. You had to work with the 20, um, 70. You had to work with the 120. 
And lastly, intimacy with your helper. Again, there's something we call the gifts of the Spirit. Those are the tools God uses, gives us to do ministry. Lift your hands. Just two, three minutes of prayer. First of all, Mary's prayer. Be it unto me according to your word. Open your mouth and just pray that for a minute or two. That, that, that's, that's the response of faith. God, you have called me to give back to you. It's a very, very tough assignment. It means this is the end of my engagement. I'm going to trust you to go and deal with Joseph because there's nothing I can tell him that he will understand. How can I tell him that God is the one that impregnated me? So I trust you to deal with Joseph. All the people that are calling me negative names on Facebook, God, I, I commit them to your hands. Be it unto me, your handmaiden, according to your word. Come on, pray that prayer. You need me to usher in church. You need me to be a pastor. You need me to be a giver. You need me to be a worship um, leader. Be it unto me according to your word. Be, that you use your faith in that direction. Then pray the prayer of Jesus. Sometimes we know the will, but the confidence to go to the cross. When we think about the pain, when we think about the sacrifice, I'm going to have to die. They are going to put nails in my hand and on my side. They are going to flog me. They are going to... You won't want to go. The sacrifice I have to make to do this thing. So what do you do? You consecrate yourself like Jesus. Lord, if it's your will, take away this cup. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. This is where our faith should be walking. This is what we should be pressing into with faith. God challenges that come to us because of his purpose his plan, his assignment for our lives. So pray like Jesus, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Consecrate yourself to God's purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life. Your faith will be busy working on that. Not the witch in your village. When you are aligned to divine purpose, no witch can touch you. When you are aligned to divine purpose, your needs, your needs will be met, your bills will be paid. You will pick gold coin from the mouth of the fish. Not my will. Not my will. But thine be done. Be it unto me according to your word. Use your faith to walk with people. There are going to be thermoses in your group. They won't believe anything you tell them. There are going to be backstabbers in your group like Judas that will sell you out for 30 pieces of silver. Don't let that bother you. People will offend you in church. People in your small group. Your pastor may even offend you. Be it unto me according to your word. You use your faith to overcome such challenges. There is nothing like serving God and his convenience. Read Apostle Paul's story again. They will call you names, so they will call you a, a deceiver. They will call you, they will call you all kinds of things. You use your faith. And then use your faith to develop intimacy with the Holy Ghost for ministry. For ministry. These things I teach you, I pray for them and I believe God for revelation. Use your faith for revelation. Or whatever ministry God has given you. Use your faith to believe God to bring souls to church this Sunday. Use your faith to believe that your department, the equipment will not break down. Not, use your faith. That's where our faith should be busy on. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the time we've spent tonight. Everyone, quickly get your offerings ready while you even continue to pray. Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you.
that when we start learning to use our faith for these things, to use our faith to deal with the issues that come with the way you created us, including the weaknesses that we have wired into our creation, we are not perfect. We are heavenly beings having earthly experiences. Carrying treasure in earthen vessels. Thank you, Lord. But thank you because by faith we can overcome these challenges. Thank you by faith we can discover your plan and your purpose for our lives. And we can live in God's plan. We can do our assignment diligently. We won't make the mistake of Adam that did not tend and keep that garden the way you told us to. But we will be like Mary. We will be like Elizabeth and Zachariah. We will be like Jesus. We will be like Paul. That in spite of all the challenges, in spite of all the difficulties, they still fulfilled the task you gave them. Mary still brought Christ into the world. Paul still preached the good news to the Gentiles. They locked him up in prison. You know? In fact, they killed him. Jesus still died for humanity. Such a brutal death. Elizabeth and Zechariah were still found serving you after decades of barrenness. Father, we receive grace through faith to do what you've called us to do. Lift those seed up. Lord, we honor you. We thank you for your word tonight. Thank you because you teach us to live this unstoppable life. When we live like this, nothing can hinder us. Like all the heroes of faith we are celebrating today, our testimony will be after their order. We give you the praise. We receive grace as we honor you with our substance tonight, never to be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. So you'll see. Thanks for coming. I trust we had a great time tonight. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.